welcome once again to the New York 20. My name is Tom. And I'm John. And, and unfortunately, yeah. sorry about that. Oh, yeah. I just I jumped the gun a little bit on you. Um, tonight is the NFL draft, so we got a lot of things to get into, but we're going to be very draft heavy and uh, very Jets heavy. Yeah, um, and, <laughs> and heavy and down, and uh, it's the Jets. Uh, so yeah. NFL Draft Edition begins uh, as many NFL drafts have gone. <laughs> <laughs> with Jet fans disappointed by the first round uh, and the picks of the Jets' general manager. Utterly confused, uh, just hanging my head, just, I, I don't know. There are so many words that you can use to describe the emotion in the room right now, but I think that maybe we should start off, uh, take people back a little bit to the beginning of the week. Yeah. And how we got here with the Darrell Rivas situation, which why, why not? Yeah. feels, to me, like... My high school sweetheart just broke up with me. That's how that's how yeah. I feel in my soul. Um, yeah. That's pretty bad. So let's let's recap on that. We're trying not to be too somber, you know. Yep. We'll get into some other stuff <clears throat> we'll too. Talk, yes, we'll talk uh, about it. Obviously, there's a lot of things going on in the in the sports world. It's a busy time of the of the year, so we'll yep. get into that stuff. But first and foremost, Tom, what is what were your thoughts on the on the Jets deal with Revis? So, you know, and this this is going to dovetail a little bit into what we're going to talk about today. But I was reserving judgment a little bit to see what the Jets did today in the draft, to see what they got out of this. Because, uh, to recap, right, the Jets traded Darrell Rivas this week to the Tampa Bay Bucks. In return, the Jets got a first-round pick this year, right, number 13, 13. overall, mm-hmm. uh, and a third-round pick potentially next year. It could be a fourth-round pick, depending on how it works out. He's going to be on the team, so Whatever it's going to be a third is, round. Yeah. yeah, it was conditional upon the fact that he's on the team when yeah. like the football year starts, and he will be because he's terrific. So, so Darrell Rivas, uh, future Hall of Famer, best Jet, probably most talented Jet player of all time, goes and is traded away in the prime of his career because he wants a lot of money. And the Jets didn't want to pay it to him. And we're now in a situation where the Jets are looking to rebuild, right? So they trade these picks away, or trade this player away. And I had this question asked to me the other night, who, who's your favorite player in the NFL now? You know, who's your, you know, who's your favorite guy? Now that he's this? gone? Yeah, and it just... Oh, I, easy. Darrell Reeves? Yeah, I had, I had no answer. <laughs> and I went with that same analogy. It was the broken heart, like, I, I don't know. You're asking me, like, which of my ex-girlfriends is my favorite? Like, right. no, it just, it hurts, you know? <laughs> and I can't, you know, it's it just, it, it's a very difficult time to watch your favorite player go away in his prime and all that. Oh, so bad. And it's compounded, I think, by what happened today, which, we'll, you know, we'll get into in a second. But, you know, I'd love to hear, you know, your take on this with uh, with Reeves as well. Well, I mean, we, we talked about this uh, ad nauseum, you know, uh, off air, so to speak. Um, and, you know, I, I wasn't for it at, at any point. I understand there comes a time when you, you know, your team isn't very good and you have to rebuild. And if you have a commodity, a hot commodity, you trade that commodity. And you get picks and you build through the draft and you supplement with free agents. I get all that. You're not talking about a free agent here. You're talking about a guy that you drafted. A guy who was quickly becoming the best player in the history of your franchise. A guy who is head and shoulders above the next best cornerback in the league. He is the best cornerback we've seen since Deion Sanders. I think potentially could be better than Deion Sanders when it's all said and done. And, you know, you don't give up on a guy like that in a passing league, in a division with Tom Brady... Because you don't want to pay him the money. Not because you really can't afford to, but because you don't want to. Yeah. I mean, 
Listen, I understand he's coming off the injury, and it's a major injury with the ACL, and that's something where, you know, what do you do? Do you, you know, can you give him a big contract? Well, we saw what the Bucks turned around and did, and they gave him non-guaranteed money. Yep. And, you know, none of us know Revis personally, but he said that he would have taken that deal from the Jets. So if he says that he's going to do that to prove that he's healthy, I mean, listen, then you're talking about six, he signed six years Ninety-six million, which right. is exactly like sixteen million per, and it's all non-guaranteed. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you're looking at it as it's like it's six one-year contracts essentially, you know. And if you're going to say that the, the the a guy of his caliber is not worth that, or not worth the the investment or the opportunity to prove that he's healthy, I think that that's ridiculous. It's it's insane, and there's been some revisionist history going around with this as well. Uh, Jets beat writer Rich Zamini tweeted today that oh, if the Jets tried to give him this contract. Then they would be over. The, they'd have one million dollars to spend on the, you know the rest of the team for this season, which is asinine. There's no way that the contract would be exactly the same, right? Because you could tear up the current contract and move on, or you can go and structure it in a way that it's exactly the same right. going forward, but not killing the team. So that's a ridiculous argument. Absolutely, to to absolutely. You're exactly right. The concern about Darrell Revis is the injury. Is he going to be the same player with his knee as it is? Right. You're going to go and pay him sixteen million dollars to try and prove that. And if after a year or two he doesn't, you go and let him go and you move on. And you realize he's not a corner worth that money. Maybe you restructure the contract because he knows he's going to get cut and takes a little less money. Or if he's worth it, you go and run with the best cornerback in football. Right. But to go after and and just let him walk away because you're too cheap, which is really what I think is coming down to. Oh, absolutely. And people getting on Idzik or Ryan, listen, I know Ryan has his his fans. We both are. And he has his detractors, certainly. But Ryan wanted Revis here. Let's be clear on that. He loves Darrell Revis. And I don't think Idzik didn't want him here. This is not an Idzik move. It's a Woody Johnson move, first and foremost. He did not want to pay him because he didn't like the fact that Darrell would hold out and fight for the most money. And you know what? I get that from a team perspective. But here's the thing. Darrell has not only earned, but outplayed every contract he's held out for. Yes. I mean, the guy is phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. And you know what? Trading him now with the injury... You're never going to get fair value for him. First of all, he was so good in the prime of his career that I don't think you can get fair value for him, period. Because you're talking about trading a potential Hall of Fame player already. And, okay, so what are you going to get back? Are you going to take anything in the draft that's going to bring you back Darrell Revis? No. So that's the first thing. And then, you know, the second part of it is to just give up on a guy like that and turn your back on somebody who has been so integral to your franchise over the past couple of years who is still in his prime is ludicrous. I mean, listen, if Darrell Reeves is 33 years old and he was still performing at a high level and you could get a pick or two for him, then yeah, if you're not going anywhere, do it. He's 27, I believe. You know, I don't know if he's 26, 27, 28, whatever the swing year is. But, you know, I mean, so the Jets aren't going to be good next year. We've all kind of decided they could be bad without him. Fine. They're not going to be good two years from now, three years from now, when Darrell Revis is 29, 30 and can still be the same player because he's never shown that he's going to be anything else. And he's he's a game-changing player. He does things that cornerbacks don't do. He takes players out of the game. He doesn't limit them to 85 (laughs) yards receiving. He limits them to 11. Right. On two catches. Right. You know, he goes and takes guys out. He tackles. Cornerbacks don't tackle. He tackles running backs so they can't get outside. Yeah. These are things that just don't happen, and he does it at an elite level. I heard a stat the other day um, that in the fourth quarter, 
quarterback in the fourth quarter, uh, obviously he got hurt last year, right. the, in the year prior. In the fourth quarter, quarterbacks th- trying to throw Darrell Revis' side of the field, QB passer rating of 1.4. So Mark Sanchez. Yeah, well, Mark, Mark Sanchez, Sanchez is average. Was, yeah, yeah, that's his mean. Yeah. <laughs> it's but, insane. He turns, he turns every quarterback, he turns every receiver into a non-factor. Absolutely. It's insane. It doesn't happen. And like you alluded to before, this is a passing league. This is a league now where points and points and points and protecting the quarterback and wide receivers and, and just throw everything out there. And you have a guy who just eliminates that. And then you add the fact that Rex Ryan is a defensive coach. You let him take advantage of the other yeah. 10 men on the field. And the blitzing packages that Ryan has been yeah. known for. I mean, it's putting cornerbacks on an island. That's what he does, you know? It's it's crazy. And it, look... It is what it is, right? So we move on. It's done. It's happened. You know, we don't want to turn this into a sob fest. We don't want to turn it into a Darrell Revis love fest. Obviously, we're both huge fans of his. But just, you know, again, from a pure football standpoint, we disagree with it. And, uh, you know, but we move on. They got the pick, number 13, right. coupled with their number 9. Mm-hmm. And here we are sitting. We have the draft on in the background. It's still going on. I think they're a pick 23 or something like that. Yeah. But anyway, um, so... What, what, were you, what were you thinking going into the draft? Before we recap for you guys of what happened, what the Jets have already taken, what were you thinking going into the draft, Tom? So I actually made it a point to, to put on Twitter to, to, to kind of put my feelings out there to say the Jets need offense, right? The Jets' offense has been inept. Last season, again, you had an injury to Santonio Holmes. You had some things that Keller was never healthy. Keller was down for a while. You really didn't have... You were running out ragtag team of receivers, right? <laughs> Who were these guys? I don't even... I could, Chaz Shillings was yeah. one of them. <laughs> Who was the other one from Miami? Uh... uh I forgot his name. I totally forgot his name. He's washing cars now for my team. They had nothing offensively, right? And no. then you couple that with Mark Sanchez... So you have a very significant need on offense. Now, obviously, you traded away Darrell Revis. Right. So there's a potential hole there, although the passing game, passing defense wasn't too bad without him last year, although the numbers are kind of skewed. Right, plus Cromartie played over his head. But yeah. last year when he went down and he was going to be out for the year, a lot of people said that, you know what, the Jets are fortunate because their 2-3 and three are better than most teams 1-2. and two. Right. Obviously, Cromartie and Kyle Wilson. And I think that that is still true Today, yes. I, I, you know, I mean, listen, you'd, you'd take those over most teams' secondary, starting Absolutely. secondary, you would. So, uh, again, this this really leads you to believe that the biggest need is offense. And when you look at a draft and you have two picks in the top 15, it really doesn't happen in this day and age. You know, t- draft picks are so valued, and to have two very high draft picks yeah. is really an asset. It's a really, it's a huge opportunity. And I said going in that this is the biggest, I'd say the most important draft of the Jets in over 10 years. Right. I think this goes back to the, you know, the, the Sean Ellis, John Abraham draft. Yeah. Where they had four picks in the first round and, and had the chance to set their franchise up for success. Well, they cleaned up at that draft. Yeah, yeah. and they, they did well. You know, that was after the Keyshawn Johnson trade, also to the Bucks. Right. So they got two first rounders for him, yeah. and then by the way. one for Belichick, I think, or yeah. whatever that was. But I, this just goes to show you, and I know, uh, just to sidetrack for a minute, I know it's a bit apples to oranges, plus it was like 12 years ago, but, you know, you trade Keyshawn Johnson, who was a great player in his yeah. own right, but never the best wide receiver in Not football. And I know it's different time, different place, but they got two number ones for him. Yeah. And you're talking about only getting one number one for arguably the best defensive player in football, which goes back to what we were saying before. But here we are, we got the pick. Right? So, I had said a a successful first round for me 
would have been taking a guard to solidify the offensive line. Two of the best guards uh, in the draft were uh, Jonathan Cooper mm-hmm. uh, and Chance Warmack. Right. Um, and Warmack from the great Alabama offensive line. We saw it dominate the at national championship game. Uh, Cooper from North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Two guys you can put in and have already been written. They're going to go to 10 Pro Bowls. You're going to be great players. Right. You're going to have a, a rock-solid offensive line to work off. Plus, you have a foundation there already, like you yeah. were telling me before. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you got Brick and you got Mangold. Yeah. You know, you throw another guy in that mix. Now you can supplement that and have a very strong offensive line going forward. And, and you sort of set your team up for success with that, right? You know, whoever's your quarterback, whether it's Sanchez or whoever they tend to, they, they find bring in later, you put them in a good situation by having a solid offensive line. So I thought that was one part of it. And then the second part is having a dynamic playmaker of some kind. There's no playmakers on offense for them. Santonio Holmes is that, but he's coming off an injury, and he's older, and he's got a lot of money, and he could come off the books pretty soon. And it would be really, really beneficial to bring in somebody who can make plays. So the two names that jumped out to me uh, were Tavon Austin, right. who we've been talked about a lot lately. And People t- comparing him to uh, Percy Harvin. Yeah, Harvin. Mm-hmm. He, 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 punt returner, kick returner, you know, slot receiver, guy who can make plays. The yep. Jets haven't had that, I think, since Leon Washington, really. No, I mean they kind of have a poor man's version of that with Joe McKnight, but he's yeah, got fumbleitis and he's yeah he gets hurt a lot. He's a small guy gets banged up, yeah, yeah. and contributes nothing offensively other than special teams. I'd yeah. say so you have that, and then the other name that jumped out to me was Tyler Eifert. Dustin Keller just walked, went to Miami for nothing, and you have a need there at tight end. Tight end is a very important position in this day and age. Plus, you're running a West Coast offense. Right. If you're Mark Sanchez or whoever's a quarterback, you need to have a, an option to throw to in that. And as currently constructed, you don't have that. So those are the two names that really jumped out to me as playmakers. And then I think the offensive line was the other thing, other way to go. Now, I could flex from that. If somebody good, you know, slipped a little bit, there was like a really good best player available that filled another need. Sure. Well, because they had so many holes. So, you know, you can deal with that. You know, okay, safety, okay, whatever, you know, corner uh, vacated from Darrell Revis, like that kind of thing, fine. You can justify that. But I think you can't ignore the offense in in both picks. And that that was really my my whole, I want this out of the first round. Address the offense, improve it a little bit. Let us know that we're incrementally getting better from an offense that was one of the worst I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, it was bad. It, it was, was awful. it was bad. It was worse than you know those final years of uh, Pennington here, sure. where they were so predictable. When Herm Edwards was still the coach, and it was like you know run the ball on first down, draw up the middle, run the ball on second down, draw up the middle, screen pass on third down. There you are, you know third and seven, you punt the ball, and it was yeah. like it would literally put me to sleep sometimes. Yeah, it was bad, but at least you had some some talented people. Like, well, you. Had- Pennington was a smart quarterback. He couldn't throw the ball down the field, but he was at least a smart well, quarterback yeah, I mean, and make a throw. He was Peyton Manning without the arm. I mean, yeah. maybe that's a stretch. Peyton Manning's an all-time great, but I mean, yeah. he was that kind of intellectual of quarterback. quarterback. Plus, Curtis Martin, and you know, you had guys out there, gamers like Corbett and yeah. uh, um, Cotchery and sure. you know, guys like that. So, and, and right now, the, there's nothing like that. There's no flicker of Mm-mm. hope among the players that are on offense. So you're, you're going into this, and you need the, something, something. And again, this is not a very offensive-heavy draft, all that. I get that. Yeah. But there are still options available. And sure. You, you have to address it. You have to look at that. I mean, for me, I, I'm, I'm going to agree with you on that. Like, you know, obviously, and you know this about me, I'm not a huge college football fan. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the NFL, clearly. But, um, you know, so I don't, I don't follow the college game so, so closely. Obviously, you know, you, you pick up on who the big guys are coming out. Like, you know, last year's Andrew Luck and RG3 and these stud guys. And, and I, I do. I keep tabs on it just to know, you know, what the next wave coming into the NFL is going to be. 
And, you know, for somebody like me, somebody in that position, this was kind of a difficult draft this year sure. because it's very deep. It's very, uh, you know, kind of like uh, middling, a little bit of mundane where there's a lot of guys, a lot of value in the second and third rounds. And that's a bit beyond me, I'll be mm-hmm. honest. You know, so from that perspective, I wasn't looking at a few guys where I could say like, oh, okay, the Jets need to go get that guy because it's not very top sure. heavy. There wasn't like one guy where you could say, yes, this is the guy who jumps out and he projects to go to the Jets at nine and let's grab him. But I think everything you said is 100% accurate. You know, you you got to address the things that were your 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 biggest uh, shortcomings, sure. you know, the year before and, and going forward. And I think for the Jets, clearly it was offense. Yes, they have some holes because they let a lot of guys go in free agency. So they have some holes even on the defensive side of the ball. But their defense, by and large, was pretty good. Yeah. And they were always playing from behind because they couldn't score. And they were always, you know, so... It, Offense was the thing they had to address, and we're sitting here, and the draft is almost over for tonight, the first round, the first round yeah. and they did not address it's, it's insane. what so, they should have addressed. So, who did they pick, Tom? Let's with, talk about So, that. with the ninth overall pick, their first pick in the draft, uh, the Jets went and had a player who slipped, uh, who was one of those guys that they said could go top five, could go very early. Uh, and D. Milliner, who was uh, out of Alabama, corner. Right. Great team. You know, you mentioned it before with Warmack. Yeah. You know, I mean, Alabama's the, the best team in the, the world right now, yeah. college football yeah. is concerned. So, you know, listen, strong, the strongest conference, the best team. You can't really go wrong picking against them. bad. His yeah. strengths are, are very, uh, I, I don't, I'm not going to go out and say they're anywhere near Revis's, but they do have a lot of similarities. Yeah. Study a lot of film, very good athletically, smart players, and mm-hmm. can make a play on the ball can tackle, you know, I think there was a lot of very good assets there, so I, I wasn't crazy about it, again, as I said, I think the offense needs to be addressed, but I could at least, I could understand, right, I can get drafting a guy of his caliber, who projects as well as he does, now, the, the downsides to Milliner, uh, plays corner when we have a couple of corners already, who could be starters, right? Right, which we touched on, Kyle yeah. Wilson, Cromartie, Wilson, you know, kind of a bit of a disappointment, drafted a couple of years ago, but... Seems to have been getting better, you sure. know, incrementally, maybe a little bit too slow for some people's taste, but, you know, was great friends with Revis when Revis was yeah. here, tried to learn from him, tried hard, and Cromartie, obviously a bit of a head case, but, you know, there was a time when he was the number one corner in the league, yeah. basically, back to San Diego days, so, you know... I, did you need that spot? No, but again, best player available, let's go. Yeah, and, and in Rex Ryan's defense, you can always use corners, right? So right. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. But when you look at holes, that's not the biggest one you had. So that, that's, no. my, that's my number one. And then number two, he's had a ton of surgeries. You know, one of the things that popped up there, he had a, a, a labrum, I think, in his shoulder. He had a, a rod put in. Like, yeah, he had a lot he had of like things. a hernia too, a sports Surgery, hernia or yeah. a regular hernia, whatever. And he had another surgery right after the combine. So it's not even that these are ancient injuries. These are very recent as of a couple of months ago. Right. So that's a huge, huge red flag. And if part of his game is, you know, hitting guys and being like, you know, a, a ball separator when you go and hit somebody. Right, which they do. Fumbles. Yeah, he's touted for that. They say he will get in and, and you know, hit players and bring them down. He's an above average tackler and, you know, good player in, in the open field and that kind of thing. So. Yeah, guys who get hurt don't, you know... Those two things don't mesh well. That doesn't necessarily portend to success. Right. Well, I mean, and again, you look at it with a guy like, and I'm not calling him this, and even the position's slightly different, but you look at it with a guy like Palomalu. Yeah. You know, always played over his head in terms of size. You know, undersized for a a guy of his position, but playing around the line like that the way that he did, and the injuries have piled up and, and kind of, you know, taken some length out of his career, probably. He was a great player, clearly, but, you know, you can't be flying around and hitting guys like that and, you know, have injury concerns 
before you even make it to the show. It's crazy. Yeah. The other name that comes to mind that's similar, also a different position, uh, Landry, right? The Jets had to baby Laurent Landry to keep him healthy last year, missing practices, all right. that. And I think it's a very similar situation. But it took years of Landry's career to understand how to baby him to get one season out of him. Like, right, right. Do you want to be doing that with the ninth overall pick in the draft when you have so many problems? No, probably not. I mean, you could look at the guy you just cited in Landry. I mean, Landry, I don't know what number he was drafted, but I know he was a first-round pick yep. for the Redskins. Very high, I think, yep. Yeah, very high. Probably higher than this, I yeah, believe. I believe. Yeah, so, but yeah. higher than nine and you know I, I mean he had his biggest sustainable success with the Jets yeah after you know the Redskins kind of gave up on him because he was always hurt yeah. so you know are you looking at a player in that kind of situation is that what you're forecasting for this guy you know I don't want to say it I mean he seems like you, you know the Jet fans actually uh at Radio City uh cheered the pick yeah which is unusual for yes. Jet fans to do and you know I think people are looking for that replacement to Revis and by by all accounts it was a smart pick yeah. and I don't really have any problem with it either Although I did say, uh, you know, when the Jets first traded Revis, that if they uh, if they then drafted a cornerback, like uh, subsequently, that I would stop rooting for them. Of yeah. course, that was a little tongue in cheek, but I did feel that a bit yeah. <laughs> as it was happening. I was like, oh god! But no, it was a smart pick. But obviously, there's conter- concerns attached to it, yeah. and you know why? Aside from money. Why would you go ahead and, and do something like that? You know, cut Darrell Revis loose, who is, again, a borderline Hall of Famer, to try to replace him with somebody you hope will be Darrell Revis? Like, it yeah. doesn't make sense to me. So, along the same veins as as we go on to the second pick, we, <laughs> uh, I'll tell a quick little story. When I was with my brothers wa- watching this draft, after the first pick, we had said, all right, we need a, you know, an offensive player here. We need, you know, let's, let's draft Tyler Rafford. At this point, Austin is off the board. He was taken right before the Jets pick at nine. Right. Well, the Rams traded up to get him. Yeah. I think fearing that the Jets would probably take him if he was there at nine, which I think he, they would have. Yeah. Uh, and Cooper and Warmack are now off the board as well. Cooper was taken at seven. Uh, Warmack was taken at ten. Right. So now you're at 13. And all the other guys that I had mentioned, you know, as, as offensive weapons were gone, minus Eifert. Eifert's still on the board. Right. So what I, what I had said, we started saying, all right, well, Let's just let's pick another team, right? If the Jets mess this up by taking some guy we've never heard of that plays defense, <laughs> let's just all jump ship. And uh, it was thrown out to be Giants fans. and said, no, I can't do that. Uh, obviously, you can't do anything in division. So what we settled on was that we would go and put a bunch of teams in a hat and then just pick them out. And then from then on, we would then become San Diego Chargers fans or whatever right. the name was. Now, is this just for you and your brothers or can I get in on this? You, oh, yeah, you can get in. Um, <laughs> and we might have to do this. We might have, like, a team draft, you know, just, like, you know, pull names from a hat. And then that's, for the that's... rest of your life, you root for the Chiefs. And that's right. Maybe you have a reason to visit another city. You know what? Kansas City's nice. They have good barbecue. Yeah. So. yeah. And the other thing, too, is you can like justify Sunday ticket a little bit further, right? You have reasons to go and watch other cities. Right, so. which I buy anyway, but my games are never blacked out locally. Yeah. So that's a good point. So yeah. there's a whole bunch of positives <laughs> to having this happen, minus having to abandon a team you've rooted for since you were a baby and <laughs> feel like a, a horrible person for the rest of your life for jumping ship. Sure. I'm and just throwing it out there, by the way. Yeah. Speaking of ships... Buccaneers. I mean, Revis is there now. Yeah, you know, that's, they that's seem to be on the upswing. Yeah, that's, you that's, know, I might follow them there. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's bad. It's something a Jets fan. It is. So we move on to the second pick, and the Jets go, and I'm sitting there, and I actually have the, the – I'm in the car with my Bluetooth on, and my brother has the phone up next to the television so I can listen to Roger Goodell make this call. <laughs> and I hear – with the 13th pick in the first round, the New York Jets select defensive tackle, and I just stopped listening. I didn't even <laughs> care. 
<laughs> defensive tackle just turned me off immediately. I didn't want to hear it. Right. Um, and it ended up being uh, Richardson, defensive tackle, who, again, has been fairly well-touted. Looks like he's got yeah. a couple of ba- positive attributes. He was projected in, I think, just about every mock draft to go one pick later to the Panthers. Right. And uh, apparently his good uh, good hitter, good, you know, a lot of physical skills in, yeah. on the on defensive line. But when we look at all the flaws that the Jets had, the only thing that might have been more stacked than the defensive backfield when it comes to corners is the defensive line. I, well, they just they draft <laughs> they they've drafted defensive linemen with their first uh, first round picks the last two years. And they, they, you know, with Copels, I mean, I know some of these guys are like swing players or whatever. Yeah. I was doing air quotes on swing players. Uh, you know, they can stand up and go outside and do all this. The whole versatility of the new NFL. But you know, I mean, they got Copels last year, who you know, towards the end of the year, really started yeah, to pick up the pace. And Mo Wilkerson looks like he's a player. I, where are you putting this guy? And I know, I know that's how the Giants won the Super Bowl. Yeah. I know that's how they beat the Patriots in that almost undefeated season. But you know, I mean. Come on, uh, defensive tackle? Are you still? Are you, let me ask you this question: Are you still Rex Ryan? And we all know the answer to this. Are you still running a three-four defense? Yes or no? The answer is yes. Right. So why do you need two yes. <laughs> defensive tackles that you spend first-round draft picks? That's crazy. It's yeah. I don't get it. So, <laughs> uh, so you look at this now, and and we're at this point where you've now used your two your two bullets in your you know. 357 Magnum, <laughs> you went and shot them at the part of the body that was still already bleeding on the opponent, yeah, right? Exactly. You have an advantage, an advantage, and you're just hitting the same advantage constantly. It doesn't, I don't get it, right? I don't, I just can't reconcile it. And look, it, maybe they become the Giants defensively. Maybe they go and have all these things. But the Giants also had Eli Manning throwing for 4,000 yards right. with well, great receivers. That's the other thing. See, I, I think for me, it's like if you're going to argue that point, then it goes back to what we were saying before. It's like, well, then why are you trading Darrell Revis? Like, if you're yeah. hoping to build that kind of way, and I understand that Darrell Revis isn't a quarterback. I'm not trying to mm-hmm. equate his importance. Although, if you can neutralize a quarterback and one of his best targets, that's kind of the same thing, almost. Yeah. But, you know, it's like, if you expect it to be bad and build towards the future because you don't have a quarterback... Well, then you should be looking to bolster your defense as much as possible. Because clearly the Jets don't have a quarterback right now, you know, on the roster. They still have Tebow, which is completely befuddling to me. Let the guy go, for the love of God. He wants to go. Like, let him do something. Be a missionary. Send him to church. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) Isn't it it terrible that Darrell Revis is not a Jet and Tim Tebow still is? And Sanchez. And Sanchez is getting a huge, you know, he's getting a ton of money. I don't know. I don't get it. Which, it's which, so difficult to be a Jets fan. <laughs> it is. Listen, like I said, we're not trying to, you know, bring down the mood and 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 cry here and whine and complain. But it is what it is. I mean, we got the draft going on, and and it just it boggles the mind as to what they're doing. I mean, we're sitting here right now, real time. We've got uh, pick twenty six right now for the Green Bay Packers. And you have a guy like Geno Smith who's sitting there and looks very upset, quite frankly. Poor Geno Smith. I feel bad. I really do feel bad. I feel bad him. for him. His yeah, he looks... In his hands the entire draft. <laughs> we talked about this right before we came on. And he reminds me of uh, of Matt Leinert uh, yeah. the year he was drafted. And, and then Tom said Brady Quinn. And yeah, it's kind of been that thing where, you know, he could go early. And then if he doesn't go early, he's going to sit there and be embarrassed. But 
And it's worse now, because the first round is today, and yeah. it's not like you can just stick around and be an early second round pick. Like, are you coming back tomorrow now? No, you don't come yeah. back tomorrow. I mean, right. you know, there's other stuff to do in New York. I don't know. If he wants to know some stuff, he can ask me. Gino, you know, I'll buy you a beer. <laughs> yeah. Like, come out to see John, do some stand-up Sunday night, and yeah. uh, I'll buy you a beer. <laughs> <laughs> if you're still in town, we'd love to have you. But, no, it, it, all jokes aside, I mean, you look at a guy like Gino Smith, speaking from a perspective of, of what the Jets could have done, and, and neither one of us... Uh, uh, Tom or I are really high on Geno Smith, but you know what? That would have been a pick where if they turn around and, and did that with 13, you'd say, you know what? I don't love it, but clearly the new regime, new offensive coordinator in, in morning wig see something. They know they don't have a quarterback on the roster mm-hmm. and they're going to turn it over. But they didn't. They didn't do anything to address the offense. Yeah, they, they still have no quarterbacks. And they have no skill positions, uh, skill position players on the offense. They looked at the giant elephant in the room and just looked it in the eyes, said "What up?" and walked away. Like screw you! <laughs> yeah, like, do something about the freaking elephant in the room. It's insane. I don't. I, I don't know. I don't so, know where we're going from here, really. <laughs> it's bad. So exactly. So where does this take us? Right. Obviously, there are more rounds to this draft, and we'll see how they address the, the future picks. But I think, like you were saying, it's it's, it's very deep. Two, round two, round three, round four, mm-hmm. you'll have... And the Jets have a lot of picks, there. because they have a lot of compensation picks and things like that. Yeah, but that's where you can take a defensive tackle to go in and be productive. Right, especially if you don't need one that's going to start right away, because you drafted one, like, two years ago. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm sorry, where was Mike DeVito drafted? Was he drafted? You know, like, that's right. the kind of guy you can put in there and be productive. You don't need to go and spend a high-talent, high-value pick on a guy like right. that. And like you mentioned to me before, they cut Sione Puha, yeah. who was injured, obviously, all year. He didn't really play, didn't have an impact. But they cut him because they didn't want to pay him. And then they used the number 13 overall pick to kind of reach for a guy and replace him. And it's like, yeah. you just traded Revis, like you told me afterward, uh, before, rather. Yeah. Uh, you just traded Revis, and you just cut Puha, and you've replaced them with yeah. your first two picks, yeah. the, the, the the golden bullets, like you mentioned, yeah. that, you, that you had. And, and it's... That was not the way to address that. Yeah, so all you did was you take the team from last year, and you have cheaper, younger, less experienced versions of them that might not be as good or might be better, but you have no idea. Right. And that's all you did to upgrade your team last year with your first two opportunities right. to like set yourself up for the future. Which, by the way, isn't going to work because you went 6-10 and 10 last year. But maybe, maybe they'll unveil the Tebow package this year. Yeah, finally. You know, they were talking about how it was a big secret. Maybe they Shyamalan twisted us. That was it. And now, yeah. it wasn't last year. It's they're going to use year. it this year. Yeah. Who knows? All three quarterbacks on the field this year. <laughs> Do they even have three? Is there? Oh, yeah, Dave Garrard. Garrard. Yeah. It's going to go out there. Well, good. Good thing it's 2008. I think so. it's going to be their outside wide receiver. Because you're at Santonio Holmes and Curly... And I mean, at this point, no, I think I, I feel point, better about Garrard. He's never played wide receiver before, so he can't be any worse than Stephen Hill. Exactly. At this point, we're hoping that they'll re-sign Braylon Edwards. And yeah. uh, I mean, listen, I've always liked Edwards. I, like I know Braylon. you. Yeah. I, I'd be fine with that. You know, uh, if, if the guys stay healthy, he's going to have some people to throw to. But the thing is, who who's going to be throwing the ball? Yeah, and you know? nobody's there. Also, as an aside, Manti Teo is still on the board, and I think that's fascinating. Listen, I'm going to go on record right now. I mean, we're not going to be here tomorrow when the when the draft continues into round two. If Manti Teo is available when the Jets pick at 39, God, take him. I Jesus. think they're going to take him. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think he's For a great all player. The I said about defense. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but here's the thing: like 
you know, he was a mess off the field, right? Yeah. This year, like, with the whole made-up girlfriend. Yep. And that fits right into yeah. what the Jets oh, do. So they're definitely going to take him. I feel like the other teams might just be letting him slip so the Jets do take him. Yeah, so that ESPN will have something to talk about, like, yeah, you know. Totally. And, <laughs> they'll have another reason to show up to Jets camp. They'll have cardboard cutouts of an imaginary girl. <laughs> The life of a Jets oh, fan, God. ladies and gentlemen. Well, we promised that we were going to get into some other stuff, but we have gone over our time again because how could you not? There's so much to talk about about the Jets. Uh, we'll try to get to some of the other stuff next time. Obviously, we've got some some things going on. The Knicks are up two and zero on Good the uh, on yeah. the Celtics, who are old and, and hurt, so they should they should put that away. Everything's good there. Rangers made the playoffs. Thank today. God. Tonight, That's good. Yeah, they finally clinched it. Thank you to Ryan Callahan. I would have thanked Jets for losing that game the other day, and now it's all about seeding. Right. Uh, so I think that's definitely something we'll be able to look at. The matchups will be set the next time we get together. Absolutely. The Yankees are playing well. Yeah. Uh, well-ish. You know, yeah. and they're doing good. They're doing what they have to do. They survive yeah, until right. they get some reinforcements. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and Matt Harvey is really, Oof. really good. So good. Matt Harvey is the truth. I just so. want I, I to say my fantasy baseball team has Justin Upton and Matt Harvey who are ranked number one and number two in fantasy points this year. Uh, <laughs> well, to that end, last last week when we were here with you guys, uh, I mentioned that I was going to the game uh, the following night, which I did, which was the Harvey Strasburg matchup. Yeah. And I don't want to claim that I was responsible for it, but it was my section that erupted with the Harvey's better chance as he was out pitching that overrated bum down in Washington. Yep. I can call him that. It's a New York podcast. I can do what I want. Yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> So, thank you once again for joining us. Uh, my name is Tom. And I'm John, and we'll, you know, try to put all the pieces back together and figure out what team we're going to root for when we join you guys next week. Thanks a lot. Peace. The New York 20 is brought to you by Jets. Whether traveling to Winnipeg or New York, you can get there on a jet. Fly fast. Fly safe. Fly A320 Airbus.